Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I like finding true stories in which a seemingly random event that occurred decades in the past propels a person toward a very important destination at some point in the future. It feels like fate. For instance, I submit that the downfall of notorious mob boss Whitey Bulger really began in 1974 when a 20-year-old named Anna Bjorndoder was chosen to represent Iceland in the Miss Universe competition. Anna was a stunning blonde with bobbed hair, and she took home the Miss Congeniality Prize that year. The exposure opened many doors for Anna. It got her acting roles. She was cast in the sequel to American Graffiti in 1979. And if you're my age, you might remember her from roles on Different Strokes and Remington Steel. Eventually, Anna got into directing documentaries, and then in 1994, she opened a yoga studio in Reykjavik. She split her time between Iceland and Hollywood, kept a place in Santa Monica where she befriended an older couple who lived nearby, Charles and Carol Gasco. Anna and Carol looked after a stray cat that wandered the suburban streets. In 2011, Anna was back in Iceland and watching television when photographs of that older couple from Santa Monica suddenly appeared on screen. Except... Their names were not Charles and Carol Gasco, according to the FBI. Their real names were Whitey Bulger and Catherine Grieg, his mall. By then, Bulger had been on the run for 16 years, wanted for his role in 19 murders as the leader of the Winterhill Gang in Boston. The guy Jack Nicholson played in The Departed was based off Bulger. Suffice to say, he was a very dangerous man. The FBI was offering $2 million for information leading to the apprehension and arrest of Whitey Bulger. Anna picked up the phone. A few days later, Bulger and Grieg were arrested in Santa Monica. When the feds searched their home, they found 30 guns and $822,000 in cash hidden in the walls. Apparently, Bulger had assumed the identity of a man 
he'd found living on the streets in order to pass undetected in California. In 2013, Bulger was convicted and sentenced to two life terms plus five years. It was probably those additional five years that really pissed him off. That and realizing it was a chance encounter with a model from Iceland that did him in. Life's funny that way. Bulger didn't last long in prison, by the way. He was beaten to death by inmates using a sock-wrapped padlock. His eyes were gouged out with a shiv. These violent delights, right? Two million dollars buys a lot of gravlocks, man. And that's not even the most money that's ever been claimed for a crime tip. We gave $30 million to an Iraqi citizen who told us where Saddam Hussein's sons were hiding. But I wonder how much that $2 million reward actually helped in the end, or if it helped at all. It's a lot of money, sure, but I imagine Anna would have made that call regardless. I think just about anybody would, actually. So what's the point of reward money? Does it really help solve cold cases? Why would money motivate us to help others? And is there perhaps something better we could do to get information from the public? This is The Philosophy of Crime, and I'm your host, James Renner. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Using money as an incentive to get information on criminal cases is probably as old as the concept of money itself. Before the Roman city of Pompeii was destroyed in a volcanic eruption in 79 AD, the following message was written on a wall there. A copper pot went missing from my shop. Anyone who returns it to me will be given 65 bronze coins. 20 more will be given for information leading to the capture of the thief. 
I like to think the copper pot was returned to its owner just a moment before Mount Vesuvius erupted. So shines a good deed in a weary world. Of course, we often associate the idea of reward money with the American Old West, where wanted posters became archetypes of their time. Billy the Kid, wanted dead or alive, $100. The newly formed United States government paid reward money for the scalps of Native Americans. Case in point, I bring you the tale of Little Crow. Little Crow was a Midiwakantan, Dakota chief in the 1800s, when you really, really didn't want to be a Native American chief. White settlers were pushing west, taking land that had remained unsoiled since the beginning of time. Little Crow led the Dakotas in a five-week war against the United States in 1862, and the fact that we're speaking English and not Dakota kind of tells you how that went. After the battle, Little Crow became the most wanted man in America. The United States government put up a bounty on his head, $500, which back then was a shitload of money. On July 3rd, 1863, Little Crow was picking raspberries with his son when they were spotted by a man named Nathan Lamson and his son Chauncey. They shot and killed Little Crow where he stood. They reported the death and a search party returned the next day to gather Little Crow's body. They scalped him and brought his body into town. To celebrate, they put firecrackers in his ears and nose and then lit them. Then they decapitated him. Nathan Lamson got his $500, and his son got 75 more, and so it goes. Probably the most famous reward offering is the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list. The idea was simply a marketing gimmick at first. In 1949, the notorious FBI director J. Edgar Hoover met with the editor of a newspaper service to discuss ways to prompt information about the most dangerous wanted criminals in America. The newspaper man understood that readers loved a good list and punchy, short descriptions of crimes. And if they offered a reward, every subscriber could pretend to be a bounty hunter. The first fugitive added to the FBI's most wanted list at its inception in 1950 was a man named Thomas Holden, a career dirtbag if ever there was one. Holden was part of an old-time gang that robbed banks and trains in the 1920s. He was arrested in 1928 and sent to Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, arguably the world's worst prison. And then Holden escaped with the help of Machine Gun Kelly, a famous gangster from Memphis who Google tells me is currently dating Megan Fox. Anyway, Holden gets out and immediately goes back to robbing banks. He was caught again and sent back to Leavenworth, but that's not all. He was paroled in 1947, went home, tried to lead a somewhat normal life, and then, in 1949, he murdered his wife and her two brothers and ran away. He was one bad dude. On June 20th, 1951, the Oregonian newspaper ran a story in the FBI's most wanted list along with Holden's photograph. A local reader recognized him as a neighbor named John McCullough. The tip was called in, Holden was promptly arrested, and the list continued. As of the beginning of 2022, 526 fugitives have been placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Of those, 491 were apprehended, but only 162 were caught due to public tips. 
If you've made it on the list, the minimum amount offered for your arrest is $100,000. The highest bounty currently is $20 million, offered for information leading to the arrest of Rafael Caro Quintero, a Mexican cartel leader who kidnapped and murdered a DEA agent in 1985. So if you're sitting at home thinking about how you're going to pay the bills, maybe take a close look at your neighbor. Does that old man next door look a little like Rafael Quintero? This practice of offering reward money for information suggests that at least some of us, maybe most of us, value money more than justice. Otherwise, there'd be no need for such large sums to bring down dangerous men. Anyone with information about the criminal would have given the tip to police already, right? It suggests that some of us would look the other way until there's something in it for us. That doesn't feel good, does it? And this got me wondering, why? Why do some people need money to do the right thing? And that led me to a philosophical concept called action theory and a guy named Donald Davidson. Donald Davidson is a relatively recent philosopher. In fact, some smart people consider him to be one of the most influential philosophers of the 20th century. Born in 1917 in Springfield, Massachusetts, Davidson did his undergrad in literature at Harvard and graduated in 1939, just in time to get pulled into World War II, like many of the most influential thinkers of the 20th century. Nothing like the horrors of war to get you thinking about the bigger picture. When he returned, he studied classical philosophy at Harvard and wrote his dissertation on Plato's Philebus, a famous dialogue in which Socrates argues for moderation with a man who prefers hedonism. The dialogue was about the idea that there are lower and higher forms of pleasures and a wise man would be smart not to let pleasure be his only motivating force. Even then, Davidson was interested in that spark that creates action in men. Soon into his teaching career, Davidson focused his work on action theory, the study of the processes that lead to willful human movement. When we flip a burger on the frying pan or when we reach out and pet a cat, what causes that movement? Is it the interaction of complex chemical feedback loops in our brains instructing our bodies to move in order to get what we want? Or do we really have some determination over our movement, some free will? All philosophy at its core eventually gets around to that tricky debate over free will versus determinism, doesn't it? In an essay published in 1980, Davidson asserts that an action should be defined as something that is done by an agent with intention. I cooked the burger because I was hungry, and it was my intention to fix that by eating and feeling full again. On the surface, this is a common-sense description of a very basic process, right? But its implications are far-reaching and potentially problematic. If intention is needed for an agent to willingly act, then a great many criminals should be deemed innocent, their actions blameless because they had no real control over them. Like the guy who falls asleep while driving a bus full of college athletes and crashes into a riverbank, killing a dozen kids. He had no intention to kill anybody. And since he had no intention of falling asleep, and only did so because his body was physically exhausted, he had no agency in the crime. How is he guilty of anything? Uh, what about Officer Derek Chauvin? We can all agree he did the wrong thing, 
But what action did he take to intentionally kill George Floyd? Do you really think he intended to kill that man in front of so many witnesses? I'm not defending what he did, far from it. But it's something to consider when thinking about intention and action and culpability. Davidson believed that desire and belief were the cause of any action. Desire to not be hungry. Belief, that Big Mac is going to fill me up. And there goes my hand, getting the skillet out of the drawer. Desire, belief, action. And somewhere along the line, the FBI discovered that the desire to do right was sometimes not enough of an incentive to get information about criminals. And it being America, J. Edgar Hoover decided to privatize incentive, to monetize it. And it worked, but only for about 32% of those who had that information. The remaining 68% stayed mum. Stitches get stitches, after all. Or maybe as Dominic Toretto says every five minutes, maybe family is more important than any amount of money. One thing is clear, as United States citizens, the FBI's most wanted list shows us that some of us desire wealth more than justice. Besides, the reward system doesn't really work anyway. One problem, critics say, is an overload of worthless information that a police department must sift through when offering a large reward. Everyone with a theory about their creepy neighbor could step forward, gambling on the chance that detectives will look into him and it'll actually turn out to be the bad guy they're looking for. Case in point, the mysterious Moore Murray disappearance. After reward was offered for information leading to Moore's whereabouts, one down-on-his-luck guy came forward saying his brother kidnapped and killed the woman. He even turned over a bloody knife he claimed was the murder weapon. Turned out it had nothing to do with anything, and those who know the man say he's had a falling out with his brother and was just hoping to make some cash. To those of questionable moral character, a cash reward provides incentive to lie. Crime Stoppers is the leading nonprofit for award money for tips in criminal cases. But the BBC reports that fewer than 2% of people who are eligible to claim a reward actually do. In summary, the vast majority of rewards are never paid out because the police get to them on their own before we do. And even when a citizen's tip does lead to an arrest, they hardly ever collect the prize. So why do we continue to use a system that doesn't work as intended? Because giving the reward to the tipster is not the reason the list was created. J. Edgar Hoover understood this. The goal is to give the media a reason to write about the case, to get those specific crimes in the papers. Crimes happen every day, and a reporter can only cover so many. What makes one case more worthy of a story than another? How about a large sum of money and the suggestion that any one of us could have the $1 million piece of the puzzle? Now that I've bummed you out, I I do have an idea for a more productive system. If we want to revise the reward system for criminal apprehension to motivate the action of another individual, we should remember what Donald Davidson taught us. Action begins with desire. And there is one thing that Americans desire more than money. Do you know what it is? It's affirmation. The one thing every human has in common. The desire to be recognized and understood. Let's take away the money. Instead, 
If someone calls in a tip that leads to an arrest, that person gets their name and picture on the FBI's most helpful page, an interview tour on Good Morning America, and a walk-on role in the next Marvel movie. We'll call them superheroes. I'm not joking. It's crass. It's irreverent. But I bet it would work better than the system we have right now. On that note, I've been keeping a close eye on old man Peabody next door. Maybe I'm imagining things, but he bears a strong resemblance to D.B. Cooper. I'm sure I have the FBI's number around here somewhere. The Philosophy of Crime is a Fearful Symmetry production. This episode was recorded by Jeff Koval at the State Level Recording Studio in Fairlawn, Ohio. It was produced and edited by William Mankey. I'm James Renner. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out my new weekly podcast, True Crime This Week. William Mankey also writes the music for this podcast. Look for his other creations, including Genius Dice, wooden dice that will give an artful twist to your gaming night, and his new Dueling Pints drinking game. It's rock, paper, scissors on a pint glass. Both are available on Amazon. Until next time, remember, there's a simple but challenging solution to the epidemic of crime. If everybody took the time to make good friends with their neighbors, we would know when someone needs our help before they become a statistic. Don't be fearful of the world. Make friends and make it better. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.